high in the heavens, yeah. low in the streets, yeah. above the clouds, yeah. soul in the beats, lost in the sunshine, where we should meet, yes. good vibration, rise and release, high in the heavens, yeah. low in the streets, yeah. above the clouds, yeah. soul in the beats, lost in the sunshine, where we should meet, yes. good vibration, rise and release. Peace and blessings, bright and luminous ones. It's Mira, and I am back after a short hiatus for another mini Soul Flow podcast for Get Your Chit Together. So welcome, new listeners, returning listeners. It's really beautiful to be back in the space and recording, and I'm really happy to be here. And a call to action to any of the new listeners and repeat listeners. First of all, gratitude for your time and for being here. And also the request to rate and subscribe to the podcast, follow the podcast on whatever platform you get your podcast from. That way you'll have access to episodes as soon as they're available, meditations that come online, all those good juicy things will be right at your fingertips. I have really exciting news that my webpage is actually live now www.tamiracassette.com. I'm not going to say a whole lot about it in this episode, but go on over and take a look. And if you're interested in ancestral healing work, book a consultation or send me a message and we'll talk some more about it. But I am going to save that topic for another mini soul flow episode talking about ancestral healing and what it is and how I found myself doing the work and really benefiting from it. So in this week's episode, I want to jump right in and get to the nitty gritty of of what is going to be shared today. And that is a conversation surrounding suffering and how suffering is not outside of one's own being. It's not outside of me. It's not outside of you. It's very real and It's something that we all have or are currently experiencing on varying degrees and that it's really important that we get to do our work around our suffering and that we're not in this space of living in comparative suffering where we are judging our suffering against others and saying, oh, because this person is going through a greater deal of suffering that I need to keep quiet about what I'm working through because it's not as valid or it's not as impactful. So we need to not be in a space of participating in what Brene Brown calls comparative suffering as we're doing our work around our suffering. And I really just want to highlight that this life is a really beautiful opportunity and has a really big call to be in better and more conscious relationship with the ways that we are suffering and with the shadow aspects and characteristics that arise out of our suffering so that we're not repressing or medicating or hiding the existence of our suffering. There's a really profound soul level healing that comes when we allow ourselves the ability to take time and have the courage to name our suffering and make a practice of understanding how we suffer in this life because it's only when we're in a conscious relationship to our suffering and to shadow characteristics that we offer them up to our inner light for transformation and for wisdom. And so what do I mean by relationship? 
I know a lot of people are like, what do you mean you want to be in relationship? And so part of doing the work with suffering is redefining what our definition of a relationship is. Because as we're taught in this world that we're living in, a relationship is this being wide open. It's, I love you. I don't have any boundaries and I'm always in agreement with you. And that's not what a relationship is. And as we work with our suffering, we're asked to redefine what our relationship is, what the concept of a relationship is. And for me personally, a relationship is a consent-based means of relating to something within me or other beings around me using boundaries and acknowledging that something else is present, acknowledging the presence of other beings or other things or thought forms or whatever it is that is present for me as I'm doing my work with my suffering. You know, I don't have to be in agreement with it and I don't even have to like the ways that I'm suffering, but I have to have a means of relating to it consciously because we do a lot of unconscious relating to our suffering. We have a lot of unconscious relationships to our suffering where we're feeding our suffering really through secrets, through addictions, all of these ways that we unconsciously relate and feed and repress and hide what's present for us and what's really begging for transformation. So we have to take the time to redefine relationships and to make sure that we're in a really conscious relationship with our suffering, that we're relating to it, that we're really showing up and taking it seriously so that it can be transformed. Because working with your own suffering is really potent medicine that helps to cultivate humility so that we learn to ask for help when we get knocked down or if there's something that we don't have the tools to navigate through. It helps us to cultivate patience, to be present for the relationship that we're building, the conscious relationship, the conscious means of relating to our suffering. And it helps us to build compassion for our own self in the course of doing this work so that we can hold that compassion for others as they do their own work with their suffering. And so a part of what happens as we begin to develop a sense of relationship and coming into deeper relation, more conscious relation with our suffering, oftentimes we develop a greater understanding of how invested we are in our suffering, whether it's conscious or unconscious, how invested we are in the predictability and the comforts and the characteristics of our suffering that we know and we've developed coping mechanisms around that we know how to navigate and move through. And so part of that relationship too is seeing how invested, how ingrained in us it is to navigate our realms of suffering and how we've made it or the world or how we've been taught to make it Uh, something comfortable for us, something manageable, something that we can cope with and and move around, even if it impacts our quality of life. And so I just want to offer up some really practical steps for more consciously relating to one's own suffering so that it can be something that can be bought into a space of receiving light and healing around it so that you can offer it up. And I've narrow this down to about five or six steps. And it's bigger than that. It really is bigger and more nuanced, but I'm giving the short frame version for you to add to as much as you need to. These have been steps that I've used. 
So the first thing is acknowledging that there's suffering present within yourself. That's how we begin to have a more conscious relationship. We're not repressing, we're not ignoring, we're not denying. We're acknowledging that there is something that is present within us that suffers. The second thing that we do is that we make an attempt to give a name to our suffering. Is it in the form of depression, anxiety, fear, addiction, disconnect, anger, hatred for oneself, maybe for other people, groups of people? Is it sadness? Taking the time to name a thing is a means of diffusing the mystery and the power that something holds when it can be bought down to a scalable life size. Because when we keep things repressed and we keep them in the dark, like the scary monster in the basement, they have power over us. But naming a thing is a way of diffusing the power and the unknown that secrecy and repression oftentimes yields uh, these things and these ways of suffering. The third thing that we do is make a study of how we experience suffering in our body. So if it's anxiety, is it in the form of tension in my body? Is it localized to my chest? Does it show up as pain in my abdominal area? Does it show up as migraine headaches? Does it show up as back pain? How does this suffering manifest itself in my body? The next thing is making a study of what the suffering is rooted in. And how are you feeding that suffering? So is it rooted in something that happened to you in your childhood? Is it rooted in uh, abandonment, malattachment? Is it rooted in uh, abuse? What is your suffering rooted in? And how do you feed your suffering? Are you feeding your suffering through alcoholism? Because it makes you feel empowered and in control of your suffering. So taking the time to understand the life experience or perhaps even the generational experience or trauma, whatever it is, what is your suffering rooted in? And how are you feeding that suffering in your life? The next thing is really important. And that's now that you've acknowledged its presence, now that you've taken the time to name it, now that you know where it shows up in your body, what it's rooted in, and how you feed it. Take the time to reset boundaries for yourself, to reclaim your space so that your suffering does not have sovereignty over your being and the way that you move through the world. And that's an ongoing practice. We don't just set a boundary and that's it. The setting of the boundary and the reinforcing of the boundaries happen in a moment-to-moment basis. It's a constant study, like a well-oiled machine. It's something that's done over and over and over and over again until it becomes patterned and ingrained in memory and second nature for you to be in that space of holding the boundaries and reaffirming those boundaries so that you can reclaim your space so you have sovereignty and authority over your being. The last thing that we do is once the boundaries are in place, we can begin to make the study of how we call light and how do we illuminate the suffering so that we can let go of our attachments to the suffering so that we can offer that suffering up? Is it through movement? Is it through community? Is it through support groups? Is it through therapy? Is it through uh, sacred movement, sacred sound, meditation? What are we doing in our lives to illuminate the suffering and offer it up 
because it's no longer of service to us. And that looks like many different things for many different people. And so the encouragement there is to make a study of what happens when you are releasing that attachment to your suffering and wanting to offer it up. What are you doing in that space that makes you feel like you've let go of that attachment? And do that if that's through dance, whatever it is, if it's through art, however you offer it up, make a study of what that practice needs to be for yourself and be engaged in it and show up for it and treat it like it's real. Be in a space of consciously relating and being in relationship to the ways that you suffer so that you can do your work and transform your suffering. I wanted to share these really three beautiful truths about suffering that I learned in one of my classes that I have my kids going to a Rosa Mira circle and there was a discussion around suffering and there were these noble truths around suffering that we talked about that I thought was really beautiful is that one, suffering exists in the world. Two, there is a cause for it. And three, there is a path for transforming it. So as you're doing that work, if those truths resonate with you, hold them that yes, it exists. Oftentimes there is a cause for it. And three, there is a pathway for transforming the suffering. Most of the time it requires us to get out of our own way and show up and do the work and to acknowledge that it's present. So the final thing I want to leave you with is a really beautiful teaching that I received here recently in doing some work around suffering, like suffering beings and my own suffering. And what the being shared with me that I was learning from in this moment was that as much light as you call into the world for others that suffer, take a moment and call that light and kindness and compassion and humility and love. Call that in for the parts of your own being that suffer, for the parts of your own being that are unwell, because that is how we deepen our capacity to be of great service and to do works of charity in the world for those that suffer, is that we call that light. We don't forget the parts of ourselves that suffer, so we call that light and that compassion and kindness and love into our own beings. It's like when you're on the airplane, they tell you, you put on the oxygen mask for yourself and then you help other people. So make sure as you're making your services of charity, your gifts of charity, whatever you're doing out in the world to be of service, make sure you are also reaping the benefits of the work that you're taking out to the world. Make sure that you're on the receiving end of that so that you're meeting yourself in your work. So one final thought that I want to leave everyone with in light of the Thanksgiving holiday that in my house we are calling celebration of indigenous people and solidarity meal. I am encouraging people to take the time and everybody has a phone. So this is totally possible. Take the time to Google whose land you're on, where you're going to be celebrating Thanksgiving in the land that your home, your house resides on. And I want to encourage people as they're out with family and friends celebrating to give thanks to the people whose land you're on and to send gratitude and a lot of love and compassion to those people who no longer reside on that land because their land was taken from them. So I want people to hold that this Thanksgiving. And yeah, just as an example, like I reside on traditional Okanichi territory, more specifically the band of the Sapani Okanichi peoples uh, here 
in North Carolina, and I'll be honoring and celebrating them as I'm spending time with my family. We'll be making offerings to the land and gratitude for the land that sustains us and sustains our home and is green and vital and vibrant for us in a place for us to call home and as a sanctuary. We'll be celebrating the land. We'll be celebrating the people, the land, in addition to one another and our own ancestral peoples that invested in us being here today. So I just want to encourage people to take the time out to offer up their gratitude. I'm going to put links to the social media. You can follow me on Facebook at Get Your Chit Together, on Instagram at Get Your Chit Together, and on Twitter at Chit Together, C-H-I-T, Together. And also you can now visit my brand new webpage, www.tamiracassette.com. So I hope this message finds you all well and vital and resourced and vibrant. And until we meet again, may you all have health in the body and peace in the mind. Mm-hmm.